Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. UFOs seem to be invading both our skies and our news outlets like never before. And more people are starting to look up and are wondering who or what might be out there. In 2016, Ryan Sprague introduced the world to countless UFO encounters that had never been made public before. And now, in the second edition of his book, he revisits these events and introduces brand new UFO cases in Somewhere in the Skies, a human approach to the UFO phenomenon. How have these events changed the lives of those involved? And what might it tell us about the phenomenon? With in-depth follow-ups, brand new chapters, and detailed testimony from credible witnesses and insight from those in the psychological, academic, and scientific fields, Somewhere in the Skies, a human approach to the UFO phenomenon, weaves together a story of stories, attempting to get to the heart of these mysteries one experience at a time. Available now on Amazon in both paperback and ebook. To learn more, visit somewhereintheskies.com. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Spread. My name is Benedikt. I'm 36 years old. I, um, I'm originally Icelandic, but I've been, I've been living in Norway for the past 30 years. I'm also a technology student. I had a pretty crazy experience in 2010. Um, at that point, I was already very into UFOs. I was researching and I, I was actually writing a blog about it. I was also into kind of uh, paranormal and uh, kind of occult magic ritual stuff so i um, i was into something called sigil magic it's kind of a technique that you use to try to manifest something in your life and i i did this ritual to try to make contact with ufos or ets sometime after this i was getting ready to go to work i was working a night shift at a hotel so I, it was late at night the minute i pulled up my curtains uh I could see this glowing object in the sky. I, I knew straight away that it was uh, something extraordinary. So I just uh, it, I looked at it for one second and then I, I ran out to the driveway. Um, when I got to the driveway, I saw there were three of these objects in kind of the same area of the sky. They were just glowing orbs of light, really, uh, kind of golden reddish very intensely glowing lights. They were moving slowly around this, the same area, and um, 
they were kind of playing with each other. I could see at one time they made a, an, uh, a right angle triangle. At five different occasions, they kind of powered up this insanely to this insane intensity, like, like 10 times the intensity that it was originally. And the, the original intensity was very, very intense also. So they would hold this new intensity for maybe six to nine seconds, and then they would go down again. The, the power-up sequences made me feel like there was kind of this enormous amount of energy being channeled into our our reality. Like there was some kind of reservoir being pumped in. <laughs> It, it was like all the colors of the spectrum just radiating at once from the from the from the point. They were kind of putting on a show for me. <laughs> One of the things that I remember the best is, you know, they they were kind of fading in and out. Sometimes it would it was fade out and then it was come back into reality. So this this maneuver that I remember is. Uh, one of them would fade in at one place. Another one would fade in a little bit above and, and to the right and move over the first one. And the moment it kind of was just above the first one, the, the lower one would light up, as I just uh, described, to an insane uh, <laughs> intensity. Watching the, the Phenomenon movie, I, I saw one person describe the UFOs they saw as if they were looking down at a hot coal. This was very similar to what I would describe with these UFOs. It was just a, a glowing object that was glowing from all directions. So I was actually watching this thing for uh, about 90 minutes in total. Uh, I was standing outside in the cold, uh, just uh, watching this. And when they when they were lighting up, I just kind of <laughs> I screamed of, of joy. <laughs> it was just so intense for me. So the experience ended with three military planes. As I I I, I could I identify them as of the type of Hercules planes. They were big propeller driven planes. They came from the direction behind me. Um, they were flying very low. Um, the middle one flew, I think, maybe about 500 meters straight above my head, and they were they were going in the direction of these lights, these objects. The middle plane that flew over my head flew in a straight line in a collision course towards one of the stationary UFOs, and it flew extremely close to it. I was standing on the ground there and I was I was afraid that it was going to crash into it. But in, in the last second, the airplane very abruptly turned to the right. I think it must have turned as fast as this type of airplane can turn. <laughs> it, it looks very dramatic. And you can just imagine three of these big Hercules planes flying low over the town. It was just a massive sound. It was like a scene out of a movie, really. Shortly after these planes came and, and confronted them, I I had to go to work, so I had to leave the area. There were a lot of things that points me in the direction that this experience was put on for me personally. I know it sounds crazy, but it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Not only that I did the, this magic ritual <laughs> to try to attract this experience, and, and then it happened. Um, this, ha this happened on the 20th of October 2010, before and after 2010 o'clock. So in, in the time format of my country, it, it happened 2010, 2010, 2010. 
It's triple 2010. <laughs> there were three UFOs. There were three airplanes. <laughs> it just... <laughs> The symmetry of the date makes me feel that they they have they have a, a complete control of our time system down to the minute, and I think it was it was kind of a demonstration that this wasn't a random event. Another thing that makes me think this is that the window I first looked out looked out to see them the first time. There are a lot of trees in front of the windows, so there's actually a very a little patch of clearer sky. <laughs> And this UFO was in the middle of this patch. So it, that's kind of strange. Also, sometime while I was standing there watching this, I, I had a good view um, in general, but I felt if I walked a little bit down the street, uh, I would have an even better view. So I tried to walk down the street, uh, but then they just disappeared and there was nothing. So... The moment I walked back to the to my driveway, it started up again with the show. <laughs> the last thing is that the maneuvers they did, it, it really looked like they were performing something like on a screen for me. <laughs> the maneuver where the one was, was uh, flying over the other one, it was just uh, perfectly aligned for me to be able to see what was happening. And then the airplanes coming <laughs> straight over my head from the, from my other, the other side. It just it just feels so symmetrical. I don't know. I tried. I've tried many times over the years to get some answers from the military here in Norway, but they're not sharing anything. They're not. They're not even lying to me and telling me that it was some kind of exercise. It just there is no trace of this uh, this incident. I'm convinced this were, these were military planes. There were three gigantic uh, propeller-driven planes, and doing these kind of maneuvers, I don't think uh, a private entity would, or a civilian entity would do something like that. Actually, it makes me feel that they, they did something very risky by flying an airplane into an, this unknown object in the sky. They, they had no idea of knowing what this object was going to do. So doing this over a populated area feels very <laughs> risky to me. But at the same time I'm 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 glad I got to see something as extraordinary as that. In the end for me I I was kind of, I was very convinced about the UFO reality anyway because I had been studying the history. So this this was just a big confirmation for me that the, this phenomenon is real. Hi Ryan. Hi everyone. This is Alexa from the Pacific Northwest, and uh, my sighting happened when I was in seventh grade in about 2000. This was in a town 20 miles north of Seattle, and it was much less developed back then than it is now, uh, but at the time, my mom, dad, and I would go on drives in the evening after dinner, and this particular time it must have been during winter break from school because I seem to recall this was on a weeknight and it was dark early. So we were driving a new route out a little further than usual, just exploring. And I remember the car being silent, but it's possible that my parents were chatting up front. I was sitting in the back seat, lost in my own thoughts, 
and staring out the window into the winter darkness. Uh, We turn down a road with trees on both sides, and on the right side, there was a low slope with some houses at the top. I think about, I seem to recall or remember three houses. Uh, They were built into the hillside, and they had those decks that were built on stilts. Because if you, you know, walked out your back door, you would just fall straight down the hill. So, stilts. Um, I was pulled away from whichever middle school drama I was contemplating at the time um, with the sudden thought, that's a really big bug zapper. You know, maybe we were traveling at about 25 miles per hour on a semi-rural road that was dark in the winter, Uh, But these three houses had some lights on inside, and I can see what I am assuming is a large bug zapper hanging from the roof of the closest house to us on the top of the hill, Uh, like hanging from the roof right above the deck. I could see lights through the trees that were not part of the house. And it was a large, rectangular, hanging bug zapper. At least that's what I thought I could see until we got closer. And I realized that this thing is at the wrong angle to be something hanging from an awning or whatever. In fact, what I'm looking at is a large, black, floating rectangle hovering over the roof of this house. The best way that I could describe it is that if you took a standard black TV remote and held it up with the buttons facing down, except in the very center of this thing is a single round red light, a big red light, And in place of all the other remote buttons are hundreds of smaller golden white lights. My parents didn't see it. I didn't say anything. Mainly because I had this feeling like I saw something that I wasn't supposed to see. And I was trying to convince myself that I didn't see it. The Phoenix Lights were in the news only a few years before, and my parents watched the X-Files, so I knew about UFOs, but I had never heard of a hovering black rectangle. And it wasn't until about 2017 when I was reading the book Hudson Valley UFOs by Linda Zimmerman, when I turned to page 51, that I ever heard of them again, and this book in fact has a small chapter on unidentified flying rectangles, but there are only maybe two or three accounts in that chapter. And really this book is the only good info on such a thing, flying rectangles, that I could really find. The main thing I remember feeling during the sighting was like I had walked into a room saw something that I wasn't supposed to see, and then tried to convince myself I didn't see it. It was like I didn't 
want to believe it or felt like I should forget that I did see it. You know, kind of like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That line from The Wizard of Oz. I don't know what it was, but now I would probably say it had to be some kind of military craft, maybe a drone or some kind of projection even, but why a rectangle? Why hovering over a suburban house? It just seems like a lot of strange choices, and to this day, all I really have are questions. That's the end of my story. Thanks for listening. All right, so uh, my name is Jake. I'm going to talk about a UFO encounter that I had in the autumn of 2015. Uh, This took place in a rural part of central Maine, and it happened on my family's property. Uh, We live on a property on the top of a hill. Uh, The population of our town is about 4,000, so pretty small. Um, The property is about a square acre, and the house is right about in the center of that acre. The yard around it is fairly sizable. On three sides, it's surrounded by the woods, and then the other side faces the road. I do have neighbors, but not really neighbors in the traditional suburban sense. Uh, More just similarly sized properties kind of dotted along a back road. Uh, So anyway, uh, I was home alone, and I took my dogs out to the backyard at around 11 p.m. so that they could go to the bathroom and I could smoke a cigarette. Uh, This was a nightly thing at the time, and nothing weird had ever happened. We were outside for probably a few minutes, maybe five, and uh, we finished up. I finished my cigarette, my dogs finished doing their business, and I walked them right up to the back porch. And as soon as the dogs kind of crossed the threshold into the house from the back porch, I just hear this really weird sort of humming noise coming from just above, coming from the sky. Uh, It's a really, really hard sound to describe. It's sort of engine-like, but not really. It was very otherworldly. I kind of have compared it to the sound of, like, uh, the boiler room when the heat kicks on. But again, that's really an approximation. So it was just this really weird, strange, reverberating, low-frequency hum. It immediately got my attention, as it seemed to kind of fill my ears, drowning out all the other noises. I let the dogs inside. They didn't seem to notice, as far as I could tell. Uh, But at the same time, I wasn't exactly focused on their reaction at all. Uh, But it did seem like they didn't didn't pay it any mind. Uh, So I let them in and turned around to see what was making the noise. And after a few seconds, I see this... I guess rhombus-shaped diamond, like a 3D diamond. Uh, The nose end of it was longer than the tail end of it. And it's just... uh, It's hovering above the tree lines. Maybe just a couple feet above the trees. So really only 30, 35 feet above the ground. It's this this really big diamond shape. And it was... uh, black glass, like the whole texture of the thing was just this seamless black glass, and then the edges of the rhombus were all kind of lit up. I almost imagine like uh, like LED strip lighting. 
that's really the closest like human thing I can think of. So it was edged out with all these little kind of sparkling lights, and uh, it just it just it's hovering along the tree line, kind of making its way across my yard. Uh, and I just remember being completely frozen, uh, both with fear and kind of awe, like wonderment. <laughs> It's moving at a low speed, just sort of sauntering at about 10 miles or so. So very, very slowly, just moving along the yard. Uh, it seemed... I remember thinking that it was, it was looked very large and dense, and it didn't seem like something that could hover like that, because it was just this giant thing. So it just glides right along the trees, and the other thing that I noticed uh, was that the trees didn't move at all. Like, like uh, I could imagine if it was a giant drone, then there would have been kind of like a vortex created by the uh, propellers that kept it up that would have knocked the trees around, uh, but there was nothing. It was not interacting with the world around it at all. It was just, uh, it was like it was there, but it was, it was doing its own thing. It wasn't interacting with the world around it, which I thought was very, very strange. Um, I remember it's coming from... The right side of the tree line, and over the course of a couple seconds, it it kind of saunters away from me at the same speed uh, to the point where I couldn't see it behind the trees after a certain point. And I remember it, it maybe lasted about 15-20 seconds of this thing, kind of making its presence known. And I I remember making a very strong conscious effort not to blink or look away. Or flinch or anything because I I could immediately tell how important this experience was, and I needed to do everything in my power to to kind of look at it and face up to it. Uh, that's about as rational as it gets. As I was like I said, I was completely frozen in fear. <laughs> I could imagine um, like I, I remember hearing on a different podcast uh, like if you if you imagine being a bear in the woods and all of a sudden this giant metal bird flies down and then people come out of it and they they shoot you with this weird dart gun and then you pass out and then you wake up and you have this weird thing attached to your ear and you have no idea what just happened to you it's just this really weird thing just happened and you don't have any sort of frame of reference to uh compare it to anything that's that's kind of how i felt i felt like the grizzly bear being being tagged by the by the researchers or something <laughs> um so anyway, I just it, it it slowly gets farther and farther away from me, and I can still hear it, but it's I can't see it anymore, and the sound of it is getting lighter and lighter. Um, and then after that, I just I just went inside. I mean, that's what's so strange to me sometimes is that you you still have to. I mean, you have a whole life to live after that, and this this insane thing just happened to you, and then but you still have to. You know, you still have to go to school, you still have to go to work, you still have to cook dinner, you know. I, I remember just going inside and, and like, watching TV and, and playing video games, like, this thing just didn't happen to me. And I think it took a little while for, for it to really set in, uh, that I just had this insane experience that makes no sense. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I still... A lot of memories are fuzzy for me, but that is forever burned into my brain. The exact way it happened was just how it looked, how it sounded, and how it moved. Um, I don't, I don't really tell very many people in my life. I've told friends and family before, and uh, 
luckily nobody thinks I'm uh, crazy, but I do get the feeling that people are like, yeah, we we believe that you saw something. They they don't know if it's an alien spacecraft or or what whatever the hell it was or some sort of interdimensional spacecraft, but they they think that I saw something because I'm so. Uh, it was so real for me, and I wouldn't really lie about that sort of thing. Um, the other thing is that I, I don't have any history of schizophrenia in my family. Um, I don't have any history of, like, grand mal seizures or, or epilepsy or anything. Uh, so I don't really, I don't have a, a, a physiological explanation for it, or, or really a mental explanation for it. And, and nothing has ever happened since... Uh, I, I still live at the same location, and I, I haven't seen anything. I, I definitely keep my eye out for it, but it hasn't returned. Um, it's just it's just this really weird thing that happened that lasted like 20 seconds. Uh, just this thing came out of nowhere and said hello and then just took off, and... I have no explanation. Uh, I've been racking my brain ever since. I go on the all the UFO subreddits, and I've read a couple books about it. I really like what Jacques Vallée has to say about the whole uh, alien experience or UFO experience. And I don't even know if it was aliens or if it was some insanely exotic military spacecraft. Uh, if it was one of ours, then we are way more advanced than we know <laughs> uh so so i don't know but yeah that's my story and uh hope to hear it on the podcast and thank you what's up guys ryan Sprague here and i'm just dropping in to remind you about our patreon campaign Somewhere in the Skies is always free to consume, but it's not free to create. So if you want to help the show on a monthly basis, we have tons of rewards for you in return, including shoutouts on the show and website, bonus content and episodes, and free merch. Want to be my guest or pick a topic for the show? You can do that too. So if you'd like to learn more and to help support the show, visit patreon.com slash somewhere skies. Thank you and keep looking up. 
Alright, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, Ryan. My name is Nicole Morak, and I'm a meteorologist, writer, and the producer and host of The Peep podcast, which explores how scientists and researchers study the paranormal and relates that to people who experience the paranormal. You could say that my sighting is part of the reason I have a podcast now, and Somewhere in the Skies has been an inspiration to me, so I'm excited to share my story with you and your listeners. This happened in November of 1997, just south of Falls Lake and north of Raleigh, North Carolina. I was driving home from work down Highway 50, which is a two-lane highway that goes over the lake and through the woods. It was just a little after 5 p.m. and still light out, but approaching dusk. At that time, I was about a year out of college with a communication degree and hadn't gone back to school for my meteorology degree yet. I was an editor and office manager for a small wedding video company that was located just north of the lake. Back then, there was hardly anything on that road because development hadn't spread that far north yet. I was approaching a rare intersection with a stoplight, which was and still is in a clearing, and I was heading south. To my left, or east, on the north side of the intersection was a gas station, set back a bit from the road, and the tree line was at least 50 feet, maybe more, behind that. There was a man driving the vehicle in front of me, and I was driving my little red Isuzu pickup. The light was red, so we were slowing to a stop. Something made me look back to my left out my side window. It might have been motion in my side view mirror, but I'm not sure. I looked over my shoulder as I was stopping the pickup, and I saw two round balls. These days, I'd call them orbs of light, but at that time I didn't really know that word, so I just called them balls. They were back to the northeast. In height, they were close to the top of the tall pine trees we have all over North Carolina. They looked to be about the size of beach balls. Bigger than a basketball for sure. I don't recall any solid form, just two lights. And I have to admit, all these years later, I'm a little fuzzy on the exact color that they started as, but I think it was red. They came from back there and flew toward the center of the intersection in front of me. As they did, it was like they were playing follow the leader. They stayed about four feet apart the whole time, and the one in front changed color when it was parallel to the side of my truck. I think it went to yellow. Just a half second later, you know, quickly but definitely delayed, the one behind it changed to the same color. When they got over the intersection, they made a sharp turn and went back to my right, or the northwest, and headed back toward the trees on that side of the clearing. 
it all seemed to happen in slow motion, and I remember wondering if the guy in front of me was seeing the same thing. Like, he had to, right? The light turned green, and he started driving, and so did I. I don't recall seeing them appear or disappear. I just watched them as they made this V-shape in the sky above me. It seemed like they got lower as they approached the road and higher as they left. I didn't have to strain my neck to look up through the windshield to see them in front of me. It was obviously weird, but I wasn't scared, just really curious. Like, what on earth did I just see? I grew up hearing stories of others in my family having seen UFOs, so maybe that's why I didn't freak out. I spent the rest of the drive home, which was about seven minutes into Raleigh, going over all of it in my head. There were there was nothing attached to the lights. If it had been a helicopter, unless it was completely invisible, I would have seen it, and I'm pretty sure we still don't have that kind of technology. At the time, I still lived with my parents, and I couldn't wait to tell my dad when I got home because I was sure he'd believe me. He did, but of course he couldn't tell me what it was either. They reminded me of the drones from Star Wars, even though there's not technically anything like that in Star Wars. I'm not convinced they weren't terrestrial, but as a meteorologist, I am 100% sure it wasn't any type of weather phenomenon or swamp gas or whatever. These seemed to be under intelligent control, and their path made the shape of a V over the intersection. I've met quite a few meteorologists over the year that work in the DOD, Army, and Air Force, and some of them have pretty high clearances. I've asked each one if they have ever heard or seen anything like that, and all of them have said no. And even the ones with the higher clearances have had the look on their face that said they were not lying. So even if they could have said yes, but were not supposed to, and still said no, their faces said, no, I've never seen anything like that. And I believe them. I've always been fascinated with the unknown, and this experience just cemented my interest in UAP. I'm not quite obsessed, but I watch as many documentaries as I can and listen to your podcast and others, hoping to hear someone describe something similar. So far in all the years I've been waiting, nobody has. Maybe someone out there is waiting to hear my story so they can relate to it too. Anyway, thanks so much for doing what you do. You do a great job of covering this topic from a grounded, balanced perspective, and you keep the focus on how it affects the experiencers, and that is so important. Keep up the good work. Hey, Ryan. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to share this brief, but I hope slightly different uh, sighting story. Uh, my name's Mark. And this uh, happened in 1991. Can't believe it's been nearly 30 years, but um, it has. And I still think about it quite a bit. So at the time, my buddy Todd and I were in our early 20s. And he had become part owner of a small boat that was docked in Lorain, Ohio, which is about 30 miles west of Cleveland on Lake Erie. And one evening that summer... The two of us took the boat out of the marina, um, and we were just cruising around, listening to music, stopping to fish on occasion if we felt like it, and basically just enjoying a, a summer night on the water. And it was super calm that night. There were no waves, and if there was any wind, it was minimal. But it was probably about 10 p.m., 
Uh, it was dark, obviously. Um, and we were sitting about half a mile offshore. Uh, the motor was cut and the motor wasn't running. We were in the back of the boat, just chilling, facing east. And we saw this small white light, maybe 50 yards to the southeast. I'm guesstimating, but that seems to be pretty accurate. And the light was looked to be just off the surface of the water. It was kind of hard to tell at, at first sighting. Um, and it didn't look very big, but it was blinking on and off uh, rhythmically and very consistently, maybe um, in one and a half second increments. So it was like blink, blink, blink like that. And it looked to be coming towards us. And as we watched it, it was definitely coming closer to us. And we could tell it wasn't very big at all. And it was making no noise. And we're both watching it and commenting, you know, the, the usual things you would say when you're looking at something that you don't understand. It's, you know, like, what the hell is this thing? And we're wondering if maybe it was a firefly or some kind of insect. But the light, when it was on, was, was a pure white and it was spherical. And when it wasn't on, in between blinks, you couldn't see any outline or any shape. So it was very hard to tell what this thing actually looked like, if it had a shape at all. Um, but it continued towards us on a perfectly straight line. And it wasn't changing altitude, it wasn't changing its height whatsoever. And it was probably three feet above the water so as it got closer, we were watching it intently. We were standing up, trying to make sense of this thing coming at us. And it got probably within 10 feet of the stern of the boat as it passed by. And you could tell that it was maybe the size of a tennis ball when it was lit. The, the, lit, the lit orb was the size of a tennis ball. Um, and again, no sound. We kept listening for sound. It made no sound. And watching for any deviation in this flight path that it was on, but it never deviated at all. And we just continued to watch it wide-eyed as it flew uh, northwest on the same line until it was out of sight over the horizon in the dark. And to this day, I have no clue what this thing was. Um, Todd and I are still friends. We still keep in touch regularly and... Um, we will revisit the event on occasion and neither of us have any more clarity now than we did back then and we just shake our heads over it I have no clue um, and I'm I, I've always been interested in the UFO topic um, and I've kept up on incredible sighting reports and whatnot and I have yet to come across a similar sighting and would love to know if anybody listening out there has seen something similar, especially in the Great Lakes area or Lake Erie in particular. Um, if you have, please get in touch with Ryan. I would love to talk to you. Um, but the uh, the event had a, a profound effect. Um, like I said, I still think about it today. I still wonder what the heck this thing was. And I don't know, that that's really the gist of it. So thank you for the opportunity to share this.
Hi, my name is Kyle, and uh, this is my sighting. In 2003, I was living in the town of Belvedere, Illinois, and my brother and I were playing um, horse in our driveway, and we had a uh, hoop that was on our garage, and it was facing west. And my brother had tossed the ball in, and it bounced off the hoop, and I go to follow the hoop with my eyes as it goes into the trees and I see this dark charcoal colored triangular shape and it was probably 2,000 to 2,500 feet in the air uh, almost almost directly above and to the front or to the west of us and it didn't have any like solid edges it was all rounded on the sides and the back and in the back in a recess section there were uh two like circle nozzles on each side and a longer uh elongated oval in the center but it was like recessed inside of the that flat that edge of the triangle and I looked at my brother and I was like, what's that? At the time, I was really interested in, you know, our modern jets and uh, mostly World War II aircraft. And I was like, I, I, I've never seen anything like that. And uh, that weekend, we were supposed to go to our grandparents' house. And um, we did. And I we talked to my, my step-grandfather about it, and we spent two hours on the Internet trying to find something that matched our description, and we never found it. And shortly after that, I started having bouts of um, sleep paralysis. I would wake up in the middle of the night, and I would be frozen, and I couldn't move my fingers or my toes and I couldn't scream, and it was really hard, and I didn't know what to do about it. Um, I continued having the sleep paralysis for, for years after that, and I eventually just figured out that I had to relax and breathe and close my eyes and focus on moving things that, uh, to get my body working again, and... Um, shortly after the first incident, I was getting off the bus with my friend Nick, and as we got off the bus, we saw these two jets chase something that was smoldering in the air, and we asked our reading teacher the next day, who was a uh, Air Force reservist, and she said that she didn't know anything about it, she'd ask, and we, of course, never heard anything, but, um... After that, um, I started having real vivid uh, lucid dreams, and uh, that's something I still have to this day. I, I don't, until recently, I didn't correlate these incidents and put them together, but it seems that it's something that happens to people who witness the dark triangles, and yeah, that's... That's what happened to me. Hi, my name is Jake. Um, on the 9th of September, 2020, uh, which was a Sunday, my best friend and I, who is here with me... Hi, my name is Bruce. Um, ...saw a boomerang-shaped craft 
uh, UFO, UAP, whatever you want to call it, fly over our house in the middle of downtown Plant City. Um, if you don't know where that is, that is, uh, ooh, it's, um, it's e- a small town east of Tampa, but west of Lakeland. Yeah, there you go. East of Tampa, west of Lakeland. Um, it, it was downtown. Um, we live in what's called the historic district, probably a three, three or four minute walk from what's considered downtown Plant City. And, um, I had just got off work that night. I had, uh, picked up Bruce and we went down to Wendy's to get some food. Um, we came back, sat in my car for a little bit and we started listening to an episode of the podcast. It was episode, uh, volume four of eyewitness accounts. Um, that one's the one with the dude, uh, whose wife goes outside while she's smoking and, uh, sees the craft fly over his house and he's the sheriff deputy and shit. Um, and, uh, we finished up the episode, uh, on that story specifically and, you know, getting the stuff out of my car, getting my phone, put my phone in my pocket, um, open the door, took two or three steps and I'm standing behind, uh, Bruce's car, which, uh, we didn't take. And I just happened to look up. And when I look up, I see, um, a boomerang shaped craft, like, exactly a boomerang the exact same shape to my uh to me it was uh black and white it was almost completely black except on the border of the craft there was about i don't know a a thick line of white and uh on the white line were orbs that surrounded the entire craft on the outside but the inside of the craft was black and, um, I watched it and it was going slow. I mean, you know, 20, 30 miles an hour. And it was so low and quiet. It was not even 20, you know, 200 feet above us. And, you know, I watch it for about three seconds before I get the sense in me to turn around and slap Bruce. And I turn around and hit him on the shoulder and say, look at this fucking thing. Holy shit. And he turns around, looks up and sees it and, you know, Bruce, you want to... <clears throat> it took a moment to realize what exactly I was looking at because of the fact that it takes you a moment to realize that you're looking at something you've never seen before. But overall, it looked exactly as Jake, as Jake described it. But I would say that it gave me the impression of being something meant for reconnaissance, if anything. That's what it seemed like to me. It seemed like it was observing what it flew over. Um, so yeah. Uh, and so we watched it and, um, we, we just kind of sat there and watched it for another few seconds fly behind a tree, uh, that's in a neighbor's yard, um, behind our house. And, uh, we stood there for a few seconds afterward, kind of freaking out because, I've been into the UFO phenomenon for most of my life, so seeing something like this just fly over your house in the middle of the night, it just kind of gets you going, and uh, I freaked out for a little bit, and Bruce is trying to calm me down, and I finally get my sense together, and 
you know, it was going kind of southeast, south direction, and um, I tell Bruce to hop in my car because I want to see if I can go see this thing again as it's flying. So, you know, I, I know that south of where we're facing is Highway 39, which leads out into an area called Lithia, which is where my dad's family is from, and my dad has had his own share of experiences, you know, we don't really talk about them much, but, uh, he's had his share, and, you know, I, I'm not saying these, this craft and his experiences are related at all, but the way that this craft was flying was the direction of almost exactly where I believe that area is. So I got on my car, and we tried looking for it again, but we just couldn't find it, and we finally drove for about... 35 45 minutes on to highway 39 and uh we didn't see nothing and we kind of just turned around and went back home um went to bed like normal nothing else really happened uh we told my parents told my dad he was intrigued uh told my girlfriend and that's about it that's all that came of it um in my opinion you know there's a few Air Force bases around here. Um, McDill's one of the biggest ones, right? McDill's the Air Force, yeah. Um, McDill's not too far, it's over in Tampa, so it, it would make sense that this is actually, you know, maybe just kind of a secret military craft or something. But even if it is, like, you know, why come over downtown Plant City, Florida? Just you know, where God and everybody can see, I mean, it's not an unpopulated area where we're at, I don't know how I, you know, reiterate this enough, but it's so mind-boggling that a military craft, that if this was one, this secret would just slowly, quietly make its way over some houses for fun, yeah, Bruce, you want to add anything? Um, I don't have much to add, no. Alright, far out. Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.